what to say after that intro. Do what? Could have been a lot better. Well, then you'd have had to lie, right? <laughs> um, I want to say, first of all, it's just such an honor to be here this morning. Um, I know what it's like to, to pastor, and it's very, um, very important uh, for Sunday mornings uh, for a pastor to speak and release vision, release uh, what he feels is a direction for the house, and uh, just for you to, as, as the senior leadership of this house, to give me the honor to be here, I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, just really, really means a lot to me. And uh, during worship, I just felt in my heart, um, I'm classical Pentecostal, so I may get a little loud. Uh, I'll try not to. I'll try not to spit on you, but I'll, uh, I do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I really felt, uh, Pastor, that um, I really felt like the, that you've endured through the pressure. Uh, a lot of pressures to want to stop, to quit, to give up, to stop short. And I know what that's like to fight that. And, uh, and I felt like that there's diamonds that are formed through the pressure of the earth. And uh, that there's diamonds that are going to be released out of this house into the strategic places, in, even into north, northern Jefferson County. Uh, it's going to be released out of this house, out of the word. And there's going to be some people who may have left along the way. They're going to come back because for whatever reason, we don't know why. We don't judge people when they leave. They just leave. But um, they're going to come back because there's just a freshness here. I've, a lot of times, I've been here several times, you know, throughout the years, but there's a freshness here. There's really a fresh wind blowing in this place. And uh, it's just, an, again, there's going to be so great, something really great come. I'm not going to say 5,000 people are going to show up because the Lord's up to that. Whoever cares. I really, I'm, I believe like the Lord's really delivered me from this numbers thing. It's like really, we, we uh, if, if in the natural society, if we wanted to judge Jesus' ministry simply by numbers, he would have been a failure in most people's eyes today, right? He would have been because he had 12 that he really was real close to, and then, you know, as we're going to talk a little bit today, how he had three that he was really, really close to, and then there was one who was really, really close to him. But I, I really sense that, uh, that the Lord really is challenging the body to get out of this mentality of, of looking at success through the eyes of the world, for us to look at success through kingdom. And kingdom is very important for us in this day that we're living in, that we begin to examine how we view things, that we view things properly through identity, and we don't view them. Um, there's so many times in my life that I have felt like numbers or I felt like the crowd or whether they responded or whether they got what I said, I let that affect who I thought I was. And I just, you know, I, I just, I'm so thankful that God's delivering us from that mentality. But I, I really believe that, that we are entering into a time where our belief systems are going to be stretched. I don't know whether you are or not, but he's stretching my belief systems. I believe that this, these are things that we believe, there are things that we believed about the church. I believe there's things that we believed about God, ourselves, end times, gifts of the Spirit, and foundational doctrines that we will need to be reexamined in our hearts as to what the Word really says about these things. There are so many times that we just go by what somebody else has said or what somebody else used to teach and through 30, 40, 50 years of doctrinal teaching that, hey, you know what, they may have missed it. They may have had their heart in the right place at the time that they were teaching it, but they missed it. And we can't go on believing just because it's just what we've been taught through all the years, that God is really stretching us. He's repositioning us. He's given us fresh vision and fresh understanding of what the Word is. But we've got to dig into that and begin to press into understanding what He really is speaking and what He really 
really is releasing to us. And it's important for us to know that we've got to live out of a relationship status with the Father, that we can't just come in and just sit and just expect things to to kind of just flow the way that we think they should flow without putting forth effort, effort to do what the Father's asking for us to do. And one of those things he's been challenging me about is just reexamining things through what the Word is saying. No longer can we be satisfied with just hearing what someone else believes about the Word or someone else's revelation on certain topics. I'm thankful for Bill Johnson. I'm thankful for Chris Valentin. I'm thankful for the whole Bethel staff. But their revelation may not be my revelation if I don't own that revelation. I mean, it's, it's really so I'm thankful for what they've got, the revelation of kingdom. And I can preach it, I can, I, can, I can believe it, but unless I'm walking it out, it's not my revelation. It's something that I can believe in, but I've got to walk some stuff out. God is looking for people who are going to be able to be willing to walk stuff out. And I asked, I asked uh, uh, Paul, how much time do I actually have? Because i got a, I got a lot of stuff I want to try to cover. You sure? Because, I mean, we go to church... Okay, we, we go to church where we don't get out till 2.30. It's whole, okay, all right. All right, I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to be there. It, uh, hallelujah. Wow. Holy Spirit, we just invite you. We invite you to come. Breathe, Lord, in this house this morning. We must begin to move from, from having a head knowledge about certain things into a place where we actually become what the Word says. It was, never, it was never Christ's intention for us to read and regurgitate the word. It was always Christ's intention for us to read and reproduce the word. It was always Christ's intention for us to become what the word says, not just to know it. See, it's something a lot of people, a lot of people even find their identity, as I did. I, I mean, I've walked through this last year and a half of really coming into a, a firmness of my identity in Christ. But I've walked through times where I felt like because I knew how to quote Scripture, I knew how to speak Scripture, I knew how to, I knew how to, I knew how to, come on now, we know how, I mean, you grew up in, in this kind of thing like I did. I mean, you knew how to say the uh when you need to say the uh, and you knew how to, you knew how to give a word and knowledge when you needed to give it. You knew when a word, you knew when a message in tongues was needed to be given out. I learned one of the most dangerous things that the body of Christ can do is learn how to do church because we get so caught up in learning what, it, what the semantics are or just the way church is that we, we forget about really what it means to develop relationship and, and I found my identity based simply on the fact that I knew the word of God and I knew no, I had knowledge and I knew how to quote scripture and I really didn't understand what Paul meant when he said knowledge will puff you up and it's not just it's just not worldly knowledge it's actually scriptural biblical knowledge can puff someone up if they're not walking in an appetite or walking into a place of humbleness and living from a place of of, of intimate relationship with the Father. If you don't walk in that place, and you can even allow that scripture to puff you up and make you arrogant. And I've seen so many people, I've been there, I've, I've found my identity in that. But it's, very, it's just very important for us to know that it's never God's intention for us just to read it just so that we memorize it. It's never God's intention for us just to read it so that we get it, so that we understand, so that we can just, we can, we can dialogue with one another, so that we can, we can debate with one another. 
It was never God's intention for us to know the word that way. It was always God's intention, just like John said, or John, Jesus said, or John said in John's gospel, John chapter 1. He said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. But later on, he said, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. It's very important for us to know we take the word of God and we allow it to become flesh in us, that we allow every word to become flesh in us. We let the word that we speak, the word that we know, that we understand that he sent his word and he healed them. Yeah, we understand the whole, the whole thing about about how the, by his stripes we were healed. But we've got to begin to allow that word to become flesh on the inside of us so that we know that he sent us as the word that lives on the inside of us. Pastor said this morning that, yeah, with God all things are possible, but we've got to believe that with us, through us, that all things are possible because we have a God who lives on the inside of us, that breathes on the inside of us, that manifests. He manifests everywhere we go. He don't just manifest on Sunday mornings when we gather together. It's time that we move from a place of visitation, that we move to a place of habitation, that God wants to inhabit us. He wants to live with us. He wants to breathe with us. He wants to go every single day. He wants to be in our work truck with us during the day. He wants us to be in Walmart together and see the power and the ministry and the fire of the Holy Spirit fall so that we understand this is not going to happen if we just visit with the Father. It is never his heart for us just to read and regurgitate. It was always meant for us to read and reproduce. Matthew 10, 38, 39 says, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. I heard that preached so many times. I preached that so many times, and I preached it absolutely wrong because I felt like it was something. We had to give up our lives, and you know, we preached it as a martyrdom, and we had, to, we had to sacrifice our lives and give our lives for the gospel. And I'm not saying there's not truth found in that, but that's not what this text is talking about. That word life in the Greek is not the Greek word zoe. It doesn't mean the fullness of life. Life. It's actually the Greek word suko. Well, suke. What's it mean? It means the soul. It means to give up the way you think, to give up the way that you see things. Give up the way that you are willing to you're willing to, to, to read the scriptures. Because I mean, as we if we've all been in this thing, how long I mean, how many people in here has been in this thing longer than 20 years? A lot of us have. How many, how many believes that you can get to a place to where you read the scriptures through the lenses in which you've been raised up in? And all of a sudden you can read a scripture that, 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 that may not even necessarily be true, but you read it through the lens that you were raised up in. And that, that lens that you're raised up in may not, may not be, it, it, it may not be necessarily a false lens, but it may not be a clear lens that you should be looking through. And what I've had to do through my life, and especially in the last couple of years, I've had to re-examine and I had to pull some stuff back because, man, I used to find my identity in the way that I preached. Or I used to find my identity in the way that we, we, could, we could see the glory come and all this stuff. But listen, man, it's not even about all that. I used to, I used to find my identity in the fact that, whether they, that when I preached, people got what I was saying. And it's not even about that. It's not my responsibility for you to get what I'm speaking about. Somebody said Amen. We got Jim back there in the back. He'll say amen for me. I paid him real well for that. I, I had a message that I was just about, I, I, I had really focused on preparing for this weekend about devotion and about how that the Lord's really wrecking my devotional life and, and how that I believe that it's important for us to really walk out an intimate devotional life with the Father. And, uh, and 
my brother, he got up here and starts talking about spending time with the Father, and I thought, man, well, maybe I missed it because I really felt like I started shifting this thing last night or night before last when I was coming home from work, and uh, the Lord began to talk to me about how that he, he no longer desires to visit his people, but he desires to inhabit them. He desires to make them a habitation. He desires to really just come and sit down upon his people. And, and so many times in our lives, we, uh, we gauge... Yeah, and I grew up in a really crazy, I mean, you know. And we used to gauge good services whether they were preaching or not. <laughs> I mean, boy, well, we had a good service because we didn't have any preaching today. The Holy Ghost moved. and he, I mean, you know, we've all been there. We, if you grew up like we did, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. But, but it, it's like there's, you come in and, and you visit with him. And he, and he comes and he, and he ministers and he manifests because he's good. You know, it doesn't really, honestly, you can have just wrong motives and he's still going to show up because he's good. You know, you can have unpure motives and he's still going to show up because he's good. You know, I found many times that the Lord showed up on Sunday morning and, and ministered to the people when I didn't prepare for the week. I didn't prepare like I should throughout the week because not because I did anything special, but it's simply because his goodness is good. I mean, he's really good and he shows up and he loves his people enough that he'll work through even your, even through unclear or un, uh, you know, unpure motives, he'll still work through it because he's just a good father. Yeah, and now it doesn't mean that he'll let you stay there. <laughs> I don't know whether you've ever been challenged by that, but I've, I've been challenged by that word. But I believe that, that, that this honestly, the, the fact of us being able to get to a place to where we don't just read and regurgitate, but we read and reproduce, I believe that it really is a distinguishing characteristic of the difference between being a visitational people and a habitational people. I believe that visitational people are willing just to hear the word, where habitational people are willing to listen to the word. Hmm. Because I can hear you. I, you know, husbands can say this, right? many times I mean wives are like you're just not listening to me well I heard you I heard what you said but they're right you didn't listen to them and there's so many times I believe that that we hear God we hear what he's saying we hear what he's releasing we hear what it's I mean because you know you got you got a great apostolic prophetic voice here you got a great apostolic Paul here in this house and you can hear what God's decreeing God's releasing and you can you can you can listen you can hear it and you can hear it really well but there's such a difference between hearing it and listening to it. Because I believe that listening to it demands a response to it. And then we begin to partner with it. Because now we're not just hearing, boy, you know, pastor's got a word from the Lord. And he's just releasing it and God's just got something going. But all of a sudden now I'm not just hearing it, but I'm listening. And I'm finding a way to respond to it. I'm finding where can I plug into it at? Where can I put myself into this thing? But where can I find myself plugged in? Because it was never God's intention for you just to sit on a chair in a service. Everybody here has gifts. Everybody here has talents. Everybody here has an anointing and an ability to do what God's called them or graced them to do. Everybody here has that. It's not just those that speak and it's not just those that sing and not those that just may even lead home groups. It, every single person here has a gift and an ability to be used and God wants us to do that. But we've got to find the difference between hearing it and listening to it. God, I don't want to just hear what my gift is because we can hear that because of prophetic words that can be released through the men and women of God that are in this house they can release that and show you what your gift is but if I'm not going to listen to the father and begin to apply my heart to it and apply my life to it then I will know I will never fulfill all that God's called me to fulfill it's very important for us to be able to be in that position to fulfill it but visitational people I believe are willing to encounter God 
if it doesn't affect their day-to-day routine of life. Hmm. But habitational people are willing to surrender all rights to their lives. Where it really simply means, I've, we've sung this song. How many, how many has ever sang the song, I Surrender All? Yeah, we've sung that song so many times. And then there'll be just this, this, this emptiness on the inside of you because you know in, heart, in your heart you're like, this is not all there is to this. What else, what else is there? I mean, singing, I sing a song, I can hear a message. But in my heart, how am I applying this to me? How do I personally make this really relevant to my life? How do I personally make this uh, to where I, it, it affects every person that I come in contact with? That I'm not just, that I understand that this gospel wasn't just for me, that it was for everybody I come in contact with. I'm so, so, uh, I'm just believing for you, man, for these cards that you're going to hand out or these postcards or whatever, guys, you guys are going to go encounter people. And I just believe that God's going to, your heart's right, man. We don't need to focus on those that are already in houses somewhere else. We need to focus on those that are outside the house, those that are not part of the, not, not a part of the kingdom. <laughs> Visitational people. Again, visitational people are willing to encounter God if it doesn't affect their day-to-day routine. We find this characteristic found in the life of Saul versus David. Saul could prophesy when he was in the company of the prophets, but David was willing to strip himself of the robe of the king and put on the ephod of the priest and minister to the Lord alone in a cave. See, David, David, David had encountered this moment where he, they're out fighting battles, all them and the men. They're out fighting a battle, and they come home, and they find that their village has been destroyed, and all their women and their children have been taken captive. And the, and the Scripture says that, that, they were, um, that all the men had turned against David, and they had become angry with David. And he's like, David, how in the world could we be out here? I don't know whether you ever felt like that. You felt like you were out doing everything God had ever called you to do, and you were out fighting the fight of faith, and you were doing everything. And then you come back home, and everything seems to be destroyed. Everything seems to be turmoil. Everything seems to not be working out the way we thought it should work out. And, and the Scripture says that David stripped himself of his robe. And the Bible says that David inquired of the priest. He said, bring me the ephod. Let me put this on. David understood there was an importance that he had to get into a cave all alone and minister to the Lord. He had to get to a place where he said, God, I want to be, I don't want to just hear your word. I want to listen to what you say. What is the word of the Lord for this house? What is the word of the Lord for my life? What is the word that you're speaking to me at this moment? And the Bible says that God spoke to him and said, David, I tell you this, you go after them. He said, shall I pursue? He said, you're not only going to pursue, but you're going to overtake and you're going to recover all. And that's the word that we've got to get into our hearts. We've got to get this really deep down inside of us that we know that we're going to get alone with God in a cave. We've got to strip away all our identity. We've got to strip away all this stuff that we've come, come into very, co- I mean, this contact with, we want things the way we want them, but hey, we've got to be able to willing to strip it away. We've got to be able to move into a day, honestly, where we're going to have to be willing to strip away anything in our lives that we gain our identity from, like titles, positions, gifts, talents, and callings. We're going to have to be willing to go sit in our own personal caves until we find our affirmation, our worth, identity, and significance only in what the Father thinks and what the Father says about our lives. I can't find my identity in what he speaks about me. I got to find my identity in what he speaks about me. I got to get alone in a cave with him and I got to say, Father, it may not look the way I think it should look. It may not respond the way I think it should respond. It may not be happening the way I always dreamed it to happen. Hey, there's sometimes it feels feels like dreams die. It feels like things just are completely gone and, and you want it to work out and it just doesn't. You've given your whole heart, life, soul, and ministry to it and it just doesn't seem like 
there's anything moving, but I'm gonna get alone and say, I know what, one thing for certain, you affirm me, Father. You're the one who speaks into my life and gives me my identity. It's, it's when I went into the water and I came up like Jesus. The scripture says that the Father looked down and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus had not done a miracle. Jesus had not done one thing. He had not healed the blind. He had not set the captive free. He had not done one single thing in ministry, but he had found affirmation alone in the Father's voice. It's all about finding the affirmation in my Father's voice. It's not about finding, and you won't find that just visiting with him. You'll find that when you say, you know what, I'm gonna strip away everything, and Father, it's just whatever you say about me. I don't, I listen, it doesn't matter, man. I've had so many prophetic words where people have called me this and called me that. I've been called everything in, in a prophetic word. But it's not really, honestly, what I've learned is it doesn't matter whether I'm an apostle. It doesn't matter whether I'm a prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. It doesn't matter whether I even get called in the fivefold. The greatest title that I can ever represent, the greatest title that I can ever have is the title of a son. That's the greatest title that I can have. But we got people who get, I almost said your word, they get honked off. <laughs> they get honked off if you don't address them by their title. I'm not a, I'm not a pastor. I'm an apostle. I don't know where that came from. But they get honked off at it. Listen, honestly, I mean, I, I've learned one thing. You can call me whatever you want to call me. I just know I'm a son. And through that, my affirmation comes from the Father. And he said he's well pleased. Amen. I don't have to do anything for it. I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to dance for it. <laughs> I don't have to shout for it. I don't have to preach for it. I don't have to sing for it. Thank God I don't have to sing for it because you'd be really in trouble there. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. That's my introduction. I'm about halfway through a page of notes. Oh, I'm on page 2. I've only got 10 more to go. I'm just kidding. No, probably not. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 in the, in the New King James. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers. That's enough to shout about. And foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building fit, being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The word dwelling place in the, in the Greek means habitation. In fact, some translations actually use the word there, that you're being built together for a habitation of God in the spirit. Habitation is the act or fact of residing in a place. The synonym for habitation is the word occupancy. It's the word residency. And I like this last one. It's the word possession. It's very important for us to understand that we should be possessed by the Father. Habitational people have learned how to host his presence in every area of their lives in a daily facet. We learn to host him. We learn to, we learn to understand that it's, it's more important that the Father is pleased, or it's, very, it's more important that we do what pleases the Father more than what pleases us. 
first thing you must learn about becoming a habitational people is to learn where your father dwells. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, and I'm going to try to go through this really quickly, so you can just jot the scriptures down or, or whatever you want to do and go back and read them. But Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6 says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues or, and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, I like Jesus' words there, assuredly, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. King James uses the word closet there. But go into your room. Because I remember I used to, when I first got, I, I, I read the scriptures literally. So I would find myself, I'd get in a closet, because that's what Jesus said. Get in a closet, you know, and, and shut the door. There's a reason why we shut the door, right? We shut the door, keep out the devil. <laughs> that's in there, never mind. That, you have permission to laugh. That was supposed to have been a joke, but... But, you, but when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. That's very important. That we pray to the Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Your Father is always waiting on you in the secret place. Psalms 91.1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The word dwell there means to make one's abode. It means to cause to be inhabited. Visitational people love to visit the secret place. Those are the people who like to come just lay in the floor in here. And when they get up, they're never changed. These are the people who come when you have, when you, when you have revival services or camp meetings as we used to have back in the day. And they come and they'd roll around and they'd just have an encounter with the Lord and then you didn't see them to the next camp meeting. Or you didn't see them to the next revival service. Or you didn't see them, you didn't, they didn't, they didn't really know what it was like to, to walk out a daily devotional life with the Father and to really work, to work this thing the way we should work it. I know that's a dirty word now, right? Work. You got a work day coming up. Uh, do you feed them when they come? <laughs> I was going to say, feed them after they work. <laughs> don't, don't feed them before. Uh but visitational people love to visit the secret place, but habitational people have learned how to live in and from that secret place. Because it's in that secret place that you will find what your identity is. It's in that secret place you will find out what the instructions of the Father have been given to you. And it's in that secret place where you will also find your influence throughout this world. So it's very important for us to spend time intimately in that secret place with him. So that's the first thing. Second thing, I got three points, but I'm not going to end with a poem, so... We're not going to go, we can learn the hermeneutics and the homiletics and all that stuff of preaching, but really it's just about getting, getting a word from the Lord. The second thing we must learn about becoming habitational people is we must learn to work from a place of rest. The perversion of the revelation of rest has caused many people to become lazy. That's a good word right there. I'm just resting. No, you're just lazy. You don't want to get up. You don't want to do anything. No, you're lazy. And we use the power of rest as an excuse to become passive. God never intended for us to be passive in anything in our lives, especially in our devotional lives. He never intended us to be passive. 
I believe Jesus uses this word. He said, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. That's not a passive lifestyle. But we have allowed this thing for Jesus to declare it is finished, and all of a sudden we sat down and we're just waiting. We're waiting for the consummation of the age. We're waiting for uh, the, I mean, I'm not going to go eschatological there, but I mean, we're sitting here waiting for Jesus to come back on a rescue mission. Come on, guys. That's not happening. It's not happening. That's some of those things that really have been stretching me. Where we have to examine everything. I grew up in a church that, all you know, in a church age. I don't want to identify with a church, but in a church age where all we did was sit in the corner and pray for Jesus to come rescue us out of this hellhole that we're living in. It is not the responsibility of the body. It's not the responsibility of the church to stand and curse darkness. It is not our responsibility to yell at the world because the world acts like the world. The world acts like the world because they're the world. It, and, and for us to sit and just have this mentality that the world's got to get bad, and it's got to get so bad, it's got to get so bad so Jesus can come back and rescue us, that's such a heretical teaching. It is so wrong. It is so, it's so unbiblical. Because if the world is dark, if the world is evil, if, the, if, the, if, if darkness is all over the world and we're the light of the world, then whose fault is it because it's dark? It's our fault that the world's dark. Because, I mean, we, I, we were sitting in a meeting last night and, so, and you know, somebody said something like that. Man, the world's getting so bad and we're just this and that. And I have to bite my tongue because I don't, you know, you get around a lot of different people. They believe a lot of different things and you just have to be careful the way you release things. But honestly, I'm sitting there thinking the whole time, why in the world is the world dark? The world's dark because he said this, you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. He spoke that to us. Jesus declared that. He said, I'm the light of the world, but when I'm gone, I'm going to release light in you and you're going to carry light. You're going to carry it as a torch throughout the world. And listen now, darkness absolutely has no argument with light. When light shows up, when we get here, it may be dark in this room, but you flip on a light and darkness has to leave. There is no argument with it. There is no fight against it. It is absolutely the way things are supposed to be. When we step into situations, when we step into rooms, we should change the atmosphere of the room because we have light on the inside of us. I don't care if we're in a coven of witches. I don't care where we're standing at. If we have light on the inside of us, when we step in a room, everything should shift. Everything should move. Everything should go 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 into the, it should line up with the kingdom of God. And if it's not, then this book's not true. And if this book's not true, then why in the world do we believe it? Why in the world do we preach it? If we can't believe all this book says, then why do we even try? Because he, he was very clear when he said we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And if the world is going to hell in a handbasket like most of the church believes, then it's not, it's not the world's fault they're going there. It's the church's fault that they're going there. And it is our responsibility to be the light of the world. So let's just quit praying for Jesus. The most, honestly, the most, the most selfish prayer you can ever pray is for Jesus to come rescue out of this world then that means you're going you're gonna to devalue what he placed in you on the cross. When he declared it is finished, he absolutely meant it is finished. He went back to the Father. Now he said, now you go expand the kingdom all throughout the world. 
That's what he really meant when he said, greater works would you do because I go to my father. He said, listen, I, know, I understand that. I mean, we, we can really get into semantics there, and I understand the word greater there. We're going to do greater things than Jesus did, and Jesus did some great stuff. But honestly, when it comes down to it, we've got more opportunity today to preach the gospel to the world than Jesus ever had. And then it's our responsibility to take this gospel everywhere we go. And you will not do that if you just come to church on Sundays and you think that's just your, your, you're paying your homage to the Father and you're going to pay your tithe and give in your offering and you're, and you're going to go home and live your life the way you've always lived it. And a lot of that is simply because you absolutely have no identity from the Father. Because if you really catch, a fire, catch an understanding of your identity as a son, then you will not walk around with your head bowed just trying to make it through life. You're going to walk through life with your head up, triumphant, because you understand when he declared it is finished, everything was finished. <laughs> wow. I didn't mean that. That wasn't in my notes. But these are things we're afraid of the church to even call. We're even afraid to talk about. You know why we're afraid to talk about it? It's because everybody don't see it work out for them. But because it doesn't work out for you doesn't mean it's not true. I can pray for a thousand people and one of them get healed. Doesn't mean that the 99, 999 that I prayed for wasn't God's will. It was God's will to heal every single one of them. It is absolutely God's will for every time I come in contact with somebody that sickness has to go because it is the Father's will for us to walk in the healing power. He said, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out devils. It's not, listen. It is not God's will for us to roll around the floor with devils. Jesus cast out devils two ways. He said, go, and he said, he said, come out. That was the two things he said. He didn't, know, he didn't roll around with them in the floor. He didn't pour 18 gallons of oil on top of them and grease them up like a greased pig. He didn't do all that stuff. He had an anointing. He knew his place as a father. He knew his place as a son and the father, and he said, you know what? I'm going to walk around with the authority that the father has given me, and when I say something's got to go, it's got to go. And we can come up with all kinds of reasons. Well, if they don't want free, and it's like, I don't find that. That's not in Scripture. It's <laughs> I mean, we, we, we walk around, just we come up with stuff just because it's said throughout our whole lives. We just come up with just belief systems that are not there. It's not in the Scripture for us to believe anything other than what this Word says. I mean, it's almost like, I like, I mean, I've really been challenged by this guy named Dan Moeller. I don't know if anybody else has ever listened to him, but he'll challenge you. I mean, you can only listen to him in segments because you get under so much conviction listening to him. But he's like, honestly, we get to a place where we give flu its own season. It's flu season. Well, no, that's a lie. It's a lie. But we've been taught and duped into believing that lie. And as Bill Johnson says, when you believe a lie, you empower the liar. Yeah. So, let's quit listening. Let's quit believing stuff like that. It's just stupid to believe stuff that's not scriptural. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. It makes sense to me. Because I'm just preaching out of where I've been challenged. Last thing, the, uh, the third thing uh, that you must learn about becoming a habitational people is we must learn to live our lives from a place of renewed thinking. And this is what challenges us. Matthew chapter 17. This is my keynote text, so we're going to go here. i got just a little bit longer to go. There we 
Everybody's got the pot roast on at home. <laughs> Hope you put it in the crock pot. That was stupid. Matthew 17, verses 1 through 8. And I just want to break a few things down here. Some stuff I really felt like the Lord showed me here recently, and he began to really speak to me this morning as I began to wrap up my notes. Verse 1. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. We were talking about this this morning. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, I like old Peter. He catches a lot of slack, but at least Peter was willing to get out the boat, right? <laughs> Lord, it is good for us to be here. Some translations say, actually changes that from it is good to where he asks a question. It says, is it good for us to be here? I really like that. Is it good for us to be here? If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice come, came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Verse 1 says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother. Six is always the number of man. And I believe that after we're willing to lay down our own intentions, our own hidden motives, our own scheming to get ahead, living out of our own intellect, we will be invited to climb the mountain of transfiguration. After six days, after man, after we're willing to lay it all down, and say, Father, where do you want to lead me? It's at that moment he says, all right, you're serious about this, and I want to take you on top of a mountain. Because all through Scripture we find on top of mountains that there was some great significant things happened on mountains. In the book of Genesis chapter 22, we find that it's the time where Abraham is tested by the father, whether he's willing to lay down Isaac. It's on this mountain that we find out that he was willing to lay down his promise or lay down his seed, lay down that which he had already been prophesied or promised back even all the way to Genesis chapter 12 and 14 is that Abraham was told that his seed would be like the stars of the heavens. He was promised this, and all of a sudden it was like God was asking him to give up his promise, to give up what he had always longed for to see. And it was on that mountaintop that God found that Abraham was counted righteous. He was counted faithful. We find that also that is found in, in, in Romans chapter 4 as he talks about that, that Abraham was one who could hope against hope, and that was counted for righteousness. And it was because of that hope that it caused the deadness of Sarah's womb to come alive. There's, there's places on a mountaintop that will cause hope to explode on the inside of you. 
things where you almost give up on things that you want to walk away from, things that you want to say that no longer can I, it, it may have passed from me, maybe it's from my generation after me, and that's one of the tricks of the enemy is for you to honestly give up on your dreams so that you think that it's the dreams of your children that may see those come to pass. And yes, I do have dreams for my children because I am a generational believer. I believe in generations. I prophesy to generations. I declare to generations past beyond me. And that's something that we have to get out of this fear of preaching and giving a prophetic word that may be 25, 30, 40 years down the road because, well, never mind, you know why. But it's on mountaintops that Moses met with the Father. And the scripture says that he showed him all his glory. He said, I'm, I'm going I'm to hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to cause all my goodness to pass before you. It's on that mountaintop that Moses met face to face with God and he, he was given the Ten Commandments and we know the story there. He comes down, he's all angry because they <laughs> he'd been up there all alone with the Father and they're down there just making some golden calves. It's on mountains where Jesus would eventually die on the top of a mountain. Jesus was willing to strip himself completely of man in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, it's not my will, but it's yours to be done. I'm willing to strip because honestly at that time Jesus was travailing on to a place to where his sweat became as great drops of blood and, and it was everything in him was wanting to call down angels to take him home. He said, it's not my will, it's your will. It's on that mountain that he understood that his destiny was to be on the mountain. And it is your destiny as well to be on a mountain in this place of transfiguration. The first response to Peter, of Peter, as I said in some translations, changed this to a sentence or changed it to a question. It says, should we even be here? Even though Jesus had invited them to go. His next response is, oh, it is good for us to be here. Let's just build you something. I think a lot of times that's what happens is that we come into an encounter with the Father and then immediately we want to begin to build stuff for it. We want to immediately jump into a place that grace has brought us into and immediately move into a place of works. And it's very important for us to know that we are to, we are to work. God called us to work. And we're not saved by that. But it's very important for us to know that we have to work, but we cannot leave an encounter thinking that we can work so that we can, oh, help me, that, that we can um, almost, almost make it like, like we deserve that encounter. We deserve to have that encounter with the Father, and now I'm going to work to prove that I deserve that I had that encounter. That mentality can't be there. Now, I do believe that from encounter that we will work. Yeah. I wrote this question to myself this morning. I said, how many times do we get to a place of encounter and pull back because we don't feel like we measure up to be in that place? We didn't pray enough to be there. We didn't study enough. We didn't fast enough. We didn't, we didn't do all the things that he told us to do. How many times do we get to that place of encounter? It's almost like God says, I'm going to bless you. Even beside yourself, I'm going to bless you. How many times do we pull back? next thing happens Moses and Elijah show up I believe that when we become habitational people we will have experiences with God that we will have no grid for Peter James and John had no grid for the fact that Moses and Elijah was going to show up at this meeting they had no idea they had no scriptural reference for this 
Because if we're gonna if we're gonna go looking through the Bible for verses to back up everything that we're gonna see and encounter that we have that we're going to see and encounter with God, we're gonna miss out on most of the things that God wants to release to us. Because there's so many things that He wants to release to us that we're not gonna have scriptural reference for. Does that make sense? He's not gonna violate His word. He won't go against it. But there are so many things that He's gonna show us that are not in it. Amen seen gold dust, you've seen feathers, you've seen things like that, seen oral that will come out of hands. Yeah, you really don't really have a grid for that. The first time I saw it, it was like, wow, I don't know about that. You know, then all of a sudden you just, you just show up and there's like feathers places, and you show up and there's gold dust, and the one I'm looking for is diamonds, I want to see jewels, I've not seen jewels, but I want to, I'm going for it, I'm contending for it, I want to see it. We're going to close here quickly. It says, after the voice speaks, they become afraid. And Jesus touches them and encourages them not to be afraid. Because when perfect love touches you, there is no fear. And he reached down, he touched them. Even though in that encounter, in the encounter where they heard the voice of the Father. How many of you ever heard that the Lord, well, how many of you ever heard that God spoke to you to do something and all of a sudden there might be just a little touch of fear that comes in? been there it's like God's got this plan for you and all of a sudden you're like I know how that's going to happen the Lord says go do something you're like I don't have the finances for it well that's okay because when perfect love touches you it casts out every bit of fear and you just move forward so they're on this mountain and they hear this voice and they're afraid then Jesus just says, you know what? I'm with you. Touches them and all of a sudden, get ahead of myself. But Jesus was transfigured. We know that if you've, if you've read or studied or heard any good teaching, that word transfigured is the same Greek word that's used in Romans 12 too, for the word transformed. It's the renewal of your mind. It's the transformation of your mind. When we live from a place of renewed mind, we end up seeing just like the disciples did at the end of this encounter. In verse 8 of this encounter, the scripture says that when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. They didn't see the cloud. They didn't see the smoke. They weren't even hearing this thunderous voice. Too many times we get caught up in looking for the sign and looking for the wonders that we miss that when they opened their eyes after perfect love touched them, all they saw was Jesus. Because that's all that matters is that we see him. Sure, signs and wonders are going to come, and that's part of it. Thank God for that. But if you come to a church service or you come to an encounter with the Lord just looking for signs and wonders, you're going to miss out on the very thing that's most important, and that's just seeing Jesus, because that's all that matters. Visitational people can see Jesus when he moves. 
but habitational people only see Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this house. We just thank you for this place. We thank you that this place is a is a is a house that desires not just to see you visit. Because the old covenant was that. The old covenant was a visitational covenant. But the new covenant is a habitational covenant. We thank you that this place is a place that absolutely and desires to host your presence in every moment. Holy Spirit, we bless you. We thank you that you've carried us through the seasons that we've walked through. You've helped us. You are a helper. You're a paraclete. You're the one called alongside to help. I thank you for the perseverance. As Paul said about myself, that Lord, I see it more in them than I ever saw it in me. This leadership team has persevered. Chasing after what you called them to be. Father, we just release blessing over this house. Father, I just thank you for the relationship. I thank you for their covenantal status with us as, as a ministry. Father, I just thank you for them. And Father, we just thank you for releasing a, a clarion call throughout this region, throughout this whole region. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in the nations. Thank you, Lord, for our part in that. But Lord, it's very important for us to focus on the region. That you got something planned for this region. Father, I just thank you that you are absolutely, you're madly in love with this house. You're madly in love with it. I just have a sense in my heart. I feel like I hear the Lord say that that He's going to create this place here. The Lord's going to send a lot of backslidden ministers here. People who have walked away from preaching the gospel because they got burnt out, hurt. Uh, they've became discouraged. They, they've uh, been used and abused by, by church people. God's going to begin to send them here so that they can be refilled. Some are going to stay. Some are going to lock arms with you, and they're going to, they're going to walk with you. But then there's going to be some that are going to come, and you're going to refill them. You're going to release them back out into the harvest. It's, there's going to be such a, a f- just such a freshness here. I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like night is over, and it's like there's a, uh, like the sun's come up, the sun has come up and the night is over. And there's a freshness here. And the Lord said he's very pleased with you. Very pleased with you. 
You could have gave up, Pastor. You could have walked away. Even the temptation has been there. I know it's been there. I mean, I don't, I don't know it, but I know it. I know what it's like. I feel like you're preaching and you're teaching and you're, you're living and people play on their phones and not listening to you and you're just frustrated and aggravated at them. And, well, I've done it. Called them out. he's going to honor you because you never heard him say quit and you didn't quit this house is going to explode not in numbers I'm not going to say numbers because I'm through with that I don't care about numbers it doesn't make a difference to me really honestly if we just trained up 30 people to look just like Jesus we could turn the world upside down right just 30 people that we could disciple to look just like Jesus to love like him look like him act like him respond like him flow like him have a relationship with the father like him that's all that matters that's all that matters. And I'll say this, and, um, and I'll, I'll give it back. I don't really feel like I need to, to do anything else. But um, for, for whatever reason, I never have really connected properly with you. Um, I don't know why. I mean, it's just not because I didn't want to. It's just I never really connected properly with you. But I feel like the Lord's connecting us, um, really connecting us. And I want to pr- co-labor with you. I want to work with you. I want to do whatever I can do to help you. Because it's not about, honestly, It's we, we went to a service Thursday night and got our worlds rocked. I mean, some prophetic stuff that really, I love it when the Lord uses prophetic stuff when somebody hadn't seen you in 8 to 10 years and they can call stuff out that you've been walking in the last two weeks, walked through a lot of hurt in the last two weeks. I mean, some devastating hurt in the last two weeks. I almost called and canceled this morning because of what I walked through in the last two weeks. And uh, you just have to you have to believe and you have to know that what's happening to you is not as great as what's happening in you and what he's working out on the inside of you. And everything that we go through, we have to know that there are things that he's working out in us. He wouldn't allow us to get into a position if he didn't understand that, that when you walk through it and you come out of it, you're going to be greater that there's going to be something that's going to re- be released in you. There's a power. That's the reason why Paul could write in 2 Corinthians, he said, everything that I've been through, I went through it for you. Every time I was shipwrecked, every time I was bitten by a snake, every time I was put in prison, every time I was beaten, it wasn't because it was fun. It was because I, I was doing it for you. That's the reason why he could say that he could be like a cup that we poured out as a drink offering to the people. You have to get to where ministry is not about us. It's about the people. Amen. That works. So Thursday night we're at this meeting, and this man begins to call out some stuff for the last two weeks that we've just been walking through, me and my wife, and um, we've just really been walking through some hurt and uh, some mis- misunderstanding, miscommunication, you know, a lot of stuff. You know, that's usually where hurt comes from. It's just it's not intentional as much as it is just misinformation. And, uh, you know, we're just walking through this, and um, I, for, for the life of me, when we shut down our church at Call to Life out um, November 2015, I, I made statements like this. I'd, I'd said, said, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> I made a statement. I made this crazy bold statement. I said, I'd rather go to hell than pastor again. Now, that's a bad statement. That That's really bad. Huh? That's pretty intense, isn't it? <laughs> now, I'm thankful that the Lord knew my heart. 
<laughs> but uh, I made some statements like that. Um, and I made statements preaching in the pulpit in the church that we're a part of now where I'd said those statements. I will never do this again. I will never. I, mean, I thank God the Lord delivered me from pastoring. It's, it's just something I don't ever want to do again. But deep down, you know there's something there. When, you're, when it's, it's in you, it's in you. It's just in you. And you can try to shelter it, and you can try to cover it, and you can try to do whatever you want to do, but it's in you, it's in you. So this man, he's, he's, he's prophesying. I hadn't seen this man eight, ten years. Really been a good friend for many years, but I hadn't seen him. He didn't really know what we were going through, and he just begins to prophesy this stuff, and he begins to call this stuff out, and he begins, and he releases this word. He says, there's doors that you are, you're about to enter into. He said, and I can hear you say that you've said in the past, this, this is something I will never do again. And I'm like, wow. Because about four months ago, it began to be stirred again, but I tried to suppress it. You know, I tried to, but, you know, I haven't come to you and talked to you about it. You know, I felt like we were going to plan again. And I was like, man, I'm trying to get out of this. You know, I'm trying to find all kinds of ways not to do it. But it's like uh, something that we just really tried to press down and suppress and um, you know, the Lord just really opened that up this um, in the last few weeks. You know, Ruth really gave us a word here. I had never met Ruth before, and Ruth really gave us a real confirming word about the next step. And uh, we were just so honored to to have her speak into our lives. But you know, Thursday night was like, all right, there's you. That's it. You don't need another confirmation word. You don't need it. You've got what I've said, and you just go do it. So in May, we're going to open back up, um, and I just want to partner with you. You know, I want to partner with you. And whatever I can do to help you, um, I'm not looking for reciprocity. That's a big word, though, isn't it? <laughs> you like that word? Yeah, if you're in business, you learn what the word reciprocity is. You know, you, uh, you do things in exchange for other people to do stuff for you. But I'm not looking for that. I'm just looking to bear my heart and say, whatever I can do to help you, I want to do that.